And he saith to him, If thou beest the Son of God, cast thyself, for it is written down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear up thee, lest any time thou dast thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into the exceeding high mountain, and he sheweth him, he showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he saith unto him, All these things I will give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then he saith, Then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now I'm going to read 1 John 2, 15 through 17. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, this is what it saith. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world." And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 10, 13 now. There hath no temptation taking you but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that, that ye may be able to bear it. The last passages I'll read, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we hath not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us pray. Lord, you're amazing and your presence is in this very room, God, and you are with us. And I pray you be with our pastor this morning as he brings the word. I pray that liberty be found on the, that the captive be set free this morning. I pray the liberty to preach your word. And I pray this word will go forth and not return void, Lord, as your word says, but it would do work, Father God, and you would do what you want. Do your will this morning. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. It's so good to see everybody here today. I, um, I'm trying to catch my breath by just watching Brother Isaac. I'm wore out. Amen. Didn't he do a fine job? Oh, my goodness. Uh, wow. I'm going to try to get that energetic in my sermon this morning, okay? Uh, this morning, we have a little bit of a change. Those of you that know, we try to post our text on our, our, uh, our internet and upon our website and different things of what we're going to be preaching on Sunday morning so that you can study the text and get involved and that you could come prepared for the reading of the word. Well, we're going to be uh, sharing uh, on our series. You know, a lot of people thought the series was over because we got through the seven influences of the seven spirits represented in the seven women that we preached about. We're not done with this series, so we was going to preach on that series this morning, and uh, right at the last minute, the Holy Spirit began to deal with me. We're going to put that sermon on hold, and we're going to take, take it and preach it next Sunday, if the Lord willing. We're going to do that, and uh, a lot of our women are gone, Over a, right out of 80 to 100 of our women are in the, our state retreat. All of our, them guys done an awesome job without the ladies today. 
but we missed our ladies on the praise team. Our praise team is uh, ministering on the state level as well. And every year of them women leave, this is the first year in I think around 30 years that my wife has not left, and I've been thankful. I tell you, it's good to have her home with me. Uh, we had a new grandson, and she wasn't about to go anywhere. Amen? And so, uh, but anyway, them ladies will be traveling in today. Uh, we're, I know that a lot of men are out turkey hunting with their youth this morning as well. And some men just don't come when their wives don't come. So would you look around and see what man's missing so we can just, just dog him out next week, okay? Amen? And pray for those men that have yellow socks and red pants and yellow shirt and green shoes, okay? Because the wife's gone and they're not able to dress themselves properly. But we do miss them. But this morning, the Lord has laid a sermon on my heart and I feel like, that honestly, that I'm really pulling somebody out of the fire today. I really believe with all of my life, heart that God has sent me to preach this message to spare and to save somebody's life from destruction. I believe that the enemy has jumped on a few folks in this place and he's just beating you up. He's browbeating you. He's dogging you out. And he's out to condemn you and to make you feel guilty and he's given you a rough time and you're just tired and you're weary and you're wanting to serve the Lord but you just think because of the stuff that's going on in your life that you're just not going to make it. That you're just not able to do it. And you're that close to making some decisions that is going to send you to the abyss. And we're not going to allow that to happen. The Lord ain't even going to allow that to happen. He changed me. I mean, I, he hit me like a ton of bricks. And uh, he said, "This is, and I didn't have any time really to prepare, so we're off the cuff here today. You're just going to have to just flow with me, okay? And the more excited that you get and the more you say, amen, maybe my thoughts can get together, would you help me stir up the gift that is within us here today, amen? I haven't had hours to prepare for this. So we're going to just obey the Lord. Now, we are Pentecostal, aren't we? And even though that we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, and we're to have outlines, and we're to study, and we're to put everything together and put our thoughts together, and we're to be a prepared people, yet we also are spiritual people, and when the Lord directs us a different way, we are going to obey him because we're going to trust him. That's who we are as Pentecostal people. So we're going to just trust the Lord that the Lord's going to speak to some here today. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of overcoming temptation. The first thing that we need to see in our text concerning temptation is this, that Jesus Christ was tempted. Have you ever thought about that? This lets us know that being tempted is not sin. As my old dad used to say, he said, son, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from building a nest there. And I want you to know the Holy Spirit Spirit, just let me know that someone here today is dealing with a lot of guilt and condemnation because they're being overwhelmed by temptation. As a matter of fact, somebody in this building is going through what 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6 describes when Peter talked about that there are people in heaviness through manifold temptations. And that word manifold just means many, diverse kinds. It's not just one, but everywhere you turn, you're being beat up. Here you are, you're trying to serve the Lord, you love the Lord, you've made a decision, and all of a sudden you have 
have found yourself in the pit of wolves. Everywhere you turn, there's a temptation. There's a trial. There's a test. Everything that you try to do falls apart. You're being tested financially. You're being tested physically. You're being tested emotionally. You're being tested spiritually. Everywhere you turn, you're in this place of manifold heaviness of trial and temptation. You're down on yourself because you believe that to be tempted means that somehow there is a tendency or an evil desire inside of you that allows the temptation to happen. You think if if I was living right, these temptations would not be there. But that's the farthest thing from the truth because let me say this, just because you're tempted to do something wrong does not make you sinful. Can I have an amen? Temptation in itself, it's not sin. It's what we do with the temptation that's going to determine whether or not it's sin or not. We're all tempted to do wrong. We're all tempted to quit. We're all tempted to throw in the towel. We're all tempted at times to walk away from Christ. There's not a man, there's not a woman, there's not a boy or a girl in here, whether you've served him 100 years or whether you've served him three months or three hours, the enemy will always tempt us to try to walk away from Christ. We've all tempted with that temptation. And let me say this, just because we're tempted does not mean that there is some deep, dark, sinful thing buried within our lives. That's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to condemn you. He's trying to make you feel guilty because you're tempted. And I'm here to tell you that because you're tempted means that you are to be rejoicing because the Bible says in 1 Peter 1 and 6 to rejoice in those manifold temptations because that is an indicator, that is a sign that you have something that the enemy don't. Hallelujah. That means that you're taking a stand. When you're tempted, it means you got something the devil can't have and that the devil don't have. So that means that you are in a positive stance in your position. So I'm here to tell you that every time that I am tempted, and though the enemy, you know that temptation, it's ugly, it's vile, it feels ugly. You know those temptations and all the feelings that come with it, it makes you feel less than a Christian. But the truth of the matter is, you being tempted is a sign that you are a believer. Can I have an amen? If you're being tempted here today, I want you to understand that is a positive note to say that the enemy's trying to strip from you something that God's placed within you and God ain't done with you yet. Can I have an amen? Would you just stand to your feet and praise the Lord for his goodness here today? Come on, give him praise. Yes. Hallelujah. I love this because I feel like the, the enemy is so mad at me right now and I love it because there's people here beat up, brow-beated, cast down, kicked around, and I'm here to tell them, hey, don't count yourself out. God's got your back. Can I have an amen? And I'm here to tell you, temptation in itself does not disqualify a man, nor does it defile a man. If that was the case, then Jesus would have been defiled and Jesus would have been a sinner. The Bible makes it plain in Hebrews 4.15, one of the texts that we took, that Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. I want you to notice them words, in all points like as we are. In other words, Jesus was tempted the very same way you and I are tempted. Hello, the Son of God was, amen? Jesus was tempted in his human nature. Now, he had a divine nature. He was the Son of God. You know, Jesus had what we call dual roles. Jesus was fully man, but he was fully God while he was on the earth. He was 100% flesh. He was 100% the Son of man while he lived here in a fleshly body. Yet he was also 100% God. He was the Son of God. He was divine. So we see that Jesus had dual nature. And Jesus had no fallen sinful nature to 
where he could be tempted and he could not be tempted within his divine nature. How do I know that? Because James 1.13 says, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God because God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. In other words, Jesus as God could not be tempted. How many knows that God cannot be tempted to do evil? God's holy. He can't even turn to want to do evil. Amen? God is a holy God. Jesus, therefore, was tempted in his human nature or what we will call the nature of his flesh. He had a perfect human nature such as Adam and Eve had before the fall in the Garden of Eden and such as you and I have since you and I have been born again. Those of us that have been born again, we've been justified by faith. Aren't you glad of that? Romans 5 and 1 tells us, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That the literally, the Bible says that justification is a judicial act of God where God looks down and judges me on the basis of the blood of Christ and on the basis of my faith in Jesus, just as if I have never sinned. I stand here today, not a perfect man, but I stay here as a redeemed man. I stand here today saved. I stand here today born again. And when God looks down upon Kent Mill, and he sees the blood of Christ upon my life, he judges me just as as if I have never sinned. Can I have an amen? That makes me holy. And this is why that Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, what? All things, not some things, but all things become new. You and I are gonna have to understand as believers that we are tempted in the same way that Jesus Christ was tempted. And and if temptation was sin, then that means that Jesus was a sinner because Hebrews 4, 15 again makes it very plain that Jesus was tempted as you and I were. However, we do see in Scripture that Jesus suffered in temptation. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, for in that he himself suffered being tempted. Have you ever thought about Jesus suffering in his temptation? What does that mean, that Jesus suffered being tempted? One of the areas that Jesus suffered in was the temptation that came upon his life. And let me stop right here and say there are people right here in this service that are going through hell on earth because they're being tempted, and in that temptation comes suffering. Whenever a man is tempted, there's suffering. It's hard. There's a war. There's a struggle. There's a fight. There's a wrestling match. There's decisions. You're in the middle, caught in the middle. The flesh wants to do one thing. The spirit wants to do another. The devil's sitting on this shoulder and the Holy Spirit's sitting on this shoulder. And you're pulled in between and there is a suffering going on in your life. Let me tell you, Jesus suffered being tempted. Can I have an Amen. There was a suffering involved in him being tempted. And we have to understand that if there was never a possibility for him to yield to the temptation, then there would have never been temptation. Hello? Some of you look like this guy's preaching heresy. He's preaching that Jesus had the possibility to literally cave into temptation. He did. If there was not a possibility for him to yield to the temptation, then it would have not been temptation. Can I have an amen? Temptation is the pull to get you to partake or to do something that is forbidden. To resist the temptation means you didn't get what you wanted. That's suffering in itself, isn't it? Want something so bad but can't have it? Have you ever been there? Don't look at me so pious. We've all been there having it. I wanted that little Jedediah the other day wanted something. He threw his fit, and he was going to try to get it through the fit, and his mama wore him out. There was two kinds of suffering that day. Amen. And let me tell you, there is a suffering by us not getting what we always want. The suffering comes by by, uh, us resisting. 
It's a fight, it's a struggle, and it ends up in self-denial. And let me stop and say this. If you don't end up in a place where it's finally self-denial, then you never overcome the temptation. Because the last straw to overcoming, the last hurdle to overcoming temptation is there's got to be the self-denial to give up. Can I have an amen? And then if you never come to that place, you'll never overcome the temptation. Just like you and I, Jesus suffered in his temptation. Look at Hebrews 10 and 2. It says, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons into glory to, by, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. The Bible literally says that Jesus, the captain of our salvation, was perfected through his sufferings. And then it says in Hebrews 5 and 8, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things in which he suffered. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in the flesh, not, in the, not him as God, but him as the Son of Man, he learned obedience by the things in which he suffered. We just think that it just come natural for Jesus. He's the son of God. He's just, it's a natural thing. There wasn't no suffering in him. He just came and he was God and he went through it with a breeze. Let me tell you, Jesus did not go through what he went through in it with a breeze. This man suffered hideously. Does anybody, can anybody understand that? Jesus suffered hideously in temptation. First Peter 2 and 21 though, there's a different twist to this suffering. Watch this. For even here unto what you called. Say I'm called to this. Say, I'm called to this. Now, how many's excited about being called of God? Raise your hand if you're excited. You're not gonna be excited when I read this verse because he says, hey, here are you called because cross also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his footsteps. You are called as a believer into the sufferings of Christ. This call is not just to get up and preach and get a limelight, get a good name, get a big ministry, get your pockets full of money, have great results, have people saved, have people fall out in the spirit, have revival. Uh, 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 uh. That's part of, of, of operating in the spirit. But I'm going to tell you something. You are also called into the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, help us here. We have to realize that Jesus suffered two kinds of suffering. First of all, he suffered to be a sacrifice for us. He suffered redemptively for us. His redemptive sufferings were sufferings he suffered for you and I so that you and I would not have to suffer in those areas. This is called vicarious sufferings. They are substitutionary sufferings that you and I will never have to suffer. And I thank God for that. From the time that Jesus was taken in the garden until he died on the cross, uh, all of the sufferings in that part of his life were what we call substitutionary, vicarious, redemptive sufferings. They are sufferings that you and I do not have to go through because he went through them for us. They are found in the book, or some of them are found in the book of Isaiah 53 and 5. I don't have time to preach on them all. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace is upon him and through his stripes were healed. These are the redemptive sufferings of Christ. This means that I do not have to be wounded for my transgression. This means that I do not have to be bruised for my iniquity. This means that I do not have to be chastised for my peace. This means that I do not have to have stripes laid up on my back for my healing. Jesus suffered this for me, so I don't have to suffer in these areas. He paid the price redemptively for me. He was my substitute. He took my place on the cross. When it should have been me that would have went to the cross and paid for my sin, Jesus paid my sin debt. He saved me. He redeemed me by his own blood, and he suffered in a suffering that I don't have to suffer. He took my suffering away. 
Give the Lord praise for that. He suffered redemptively. Ha. That's why 1 Peter 1, 18, 19, I know this is more teaching than preaching, but it's gonna help somebody here today. You know, I'm just so excited because I just see in my vision somebody just being pulled out of the fire, someone just being pulled out of the shambles, somebody being pulled out of situations, somebody just being pulled out of temptation. God's here to bring deliverance to some people this morning. Woo, hallelujah. Those of you that are tempted, get ready because I want to tell you, this son of God's about to reach down. He's about to do a work in your life and you're going to see the awesome mighty manifestation, the presence of the Lord in your life. Give the Lord praise, amen, if you believe that. Oh, I do. First Peter 1 and 18 and 19 says, For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold that you received from the conversation of the traditions of your father, but you're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish or without spot. Hallelujah, we're redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Without the shedding of the blood, there's no remission of sin, but thank God for the blood. It was Christ that died for us by one man's obedience. Many were made righteous. Thank God for the obedience of Christ going to the cross, saving me through his redemptive suffering. He suffered on that cross. He was whipped, he was beaten, he had a spear in his side, crown of thorns on his head, he had the cat of nine tails on his back. He suffered redemptively for me. But the second suffering that I want us to focus on is that Christ suffered also a suffering of temptation, as we said. He suffered being tempted. Jesus didn't only suffer redemptively for us, but he also suffered as an example for us to follow. 1 Peter 2.21 again, for even here too were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his footsteps. This is a suffering that you and I will have to suffer for him. Jesus suffered in death to be our savior, but he suffered in life to be our example. These kinds of sufferings are called empathetical sufferings in scripture. These are sufferings that you and I will have to suffer for the Lord. We don't like to hear that, but we got to prepare people. You remember the apostle Paul when the Lord struck him down on the road to Damascus and he seen a bright light and he was blind. He told him to go to Ananias and the, and the, and the Ananias would tell him what he had to do and he went and he, and, he, and he says, go to Ananias and he will show you all the things that you must suffer for my namesake. Now, how many of you want to serve a Lord after him showing you everything you're going to suffer for him? Paul was able to do that. But you and I do have to have some suffering in this Christian walk. You know, a lot of, there's a lot of heresy out there that say, well, when you get saved, everything's going to be grand and glorious all the time. It is in a spiritual sense, but it's not in a physical sense. I want you to know there's a battle in being a Christian. You got to prepare yourself for battle. Can I have an amen? You got to be, you got to, hey, I want to tell you this walk of, with the Lord is not for sissies. Hallelujah. If you're serving the Lord, you're a man. You're a woman of God. Hallelujah. You're, you're someone that's got grit. I thank God for every one of you here today. But if any man suffers as a Christian, don't be ashamed of it, nor think that you've done something wrong because you're being, that you're suffering. We are walking in good footsteps and we're walking in victory in the midst of the same temptations that Jesus, our example, walked in. You know, there are, we're, you know there's times, let's just be honest, there are times when we have to pray when we don't feel like praying. There's time we have to praise him when we don't feel like praising him. There's times we have to come to the house of God when we don't want to come to the house of God. Oh, David said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. There's been some mornings that say, oh, Lord, help me to get to the house of God. Come on, am I the only one that's like that? Heard about the old guy that says, I'm not going to church, and 
The old woman said, yeah, you need to go to church. And no, I'm not going to church. Uh, you're going to church. No, I'm not going to. Give me three good reasons why I got to go. Well, number one, I'm your mother, and you need to obey your mother, and you need to honor your mother, you need to go to church. Number two, you need to go to church because it's good for you. That's the place you're supposed to be. And number three, you need to go to church because you're the pastor of the church. Amen? There are times we have to do things that we don't like to do because we're being bombarded. Our flesh fights and opposes us. We get weak in the flesh at times. Let's all be honest. There's never been a time when I dreaded going to the house of God that after I got there, I was glad that I got there though. In that service that broke, I was glad that I pushed my way, pressed my way. Sometimes this walk in this Christian life is a press. Come on. It's getting out of the norm and doing things that you don't want to do. If you listen to the, what the flesh wants to do all the time, you'll never make it as a Christian. You've got to learn how to subdue the flesh, to bring it under subjection. You've got to learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit and not to the flesh. But we also have to get to that place where there's times we say no to something when we really want it. We've got to learn how to do that. But if we're suffering, the Bible says then we shall also, in the book of Romans it says, if we suffer with him, we shall also be Glorified with him. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 12 says, if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. What does that mean? As long as you are suffering, that's the indication you've not gave up. Woo! Every time I'm suffering, I'm saying, hey, 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 hey. I'm gonna reign with him because I've not quit. I've not caved in. I've not said no. There's a suffering going on. There's a war going on. There's a struggle. There's those oppositions. There's that tendency. There's that desire not to want it. But I don't care how big the desire is. I'm suffering in this thing. But as long as I'm suffering, that means that I'm still in the ball game. I'm not counting out. Because if I deny him, the suffering may stop but I won't be glorified with him, nor will I reign with him because I end up denying him. Can I have an amen? Am I preaching all right this morning? It doesn't matter what this name and claim it says. There is a religion out there, name and claim it. And if you're going through anything, you don't have any faith. I, I, that's nonsense. They say the power of faith gets you to overcome all your obstacles. No, the power of faith gives you the ability to live in the midst of obstacles. The power of faith don't always deliver you from the lion's den. Sometimes it just sees you through the lion's den. The, sometimes faith don't keep you from going into the fiery furnace. Sometimes faith preserves you while you're in the fiery furnace. Can I have an amen? And I'm here to tell you today that some of you are in the fiery furnace. Some of you are going through the worst trial of your life. You're, you're, I mean, you're somebody here is getting the snot beat out of them. Let me just be an old Dudley country boy and saying, I mean, you're getting the snot beat out of them. You're getting kicked around. It don't matter. Hey, dust yourself off. Get back up because I'm here to tell you, as long as you're being attacked, that means that you've got something God ain't through with you yet. Oh, God, help me here this morning. I got good news for you though. Even though we're suffering, I'm not leaving us hopeless because Hebrews 2.18 gives us a great powerful thing that we read in our text. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Now, the word sucker means, I had to look it up. Have you ever heard someone say, sucker? 
You sucker, you better know we got a sucker in Christ. I, when I first went over that for several years, I just read through. You know how you read through scripture and you don't really pay attention to it? I, I, looked, I thought I read that and I just glanced at it, I guess. I thought it word secure. So the first time that I read that, I thought he's able to secure us. And every time I read it, I just placed that word in there until finally one day the Holy Spirit paused me and said, no, that ain't what that word is. It's not secure. And I looked, that ain't the way it's spelt. It's spelt sucker. And it is a Greek word that means aid, help, relieve, when in need. Christ can help because how he's been where you've been. Hebrews 4, 15, 16, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but it was in all points tempted like as ye are, yet without sin. Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find mercy and find help in our time of need. In other words, he don't only know when you're tempted, but he literally feels the suffering of your temptation. He feels your infirmities. He feels what you feel. He lives it with you. He feels your pain. He identifies with your suffering. He understands your sorrow. He feels your affliction. He's touched with your anguish. He's touched with your sorrow. He mourns with you even. He weeps with you even. Why and how does he do that? Because he's been tempted just as you've been tempted, yet without sin. He knows what you're going through because he's already went before you and felt the pain of everything you'll ever feel. Jesus in his human nature went through everything you and I will ever go through. This means that you will never face something that he hasn't already faced. Therefore, he can feel your infirmity. He's able to come to your aid. He's able to come to your rescue. Jesus knows how to relieve you in the time of suffering. Aren't you glad of that? Amen. This is why that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is Randy Beebe's favorite scripture. There is no temptation taking you but such as common to man. But God is faithful. If I just stop right there, that's a message. That God is faithful then why in the world are we always accusing God of not caring and not loving and everything that goes bad in our lives, we get mad at him and angry at him? Hey, if something goes bad in your life, get mad at the devil. He's the one that stirred it up and caused it, not God. Yeah, but God could take it away. Yeah, but you can't learn obedience. You can't be perfected if you don't have any sufferings. He's doing it for your benefit because all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and to them who are they called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. That's where our trust and our faith comes in. He knows what he's doing, but thank God when I'm going through it, his son, Jesus Christ, can identify with me and he sits at the right hand of the Father and he pleads my case to the Father and when the case gets so heavy that I can't take no more, God's going to deliver me because he's going to make a way that I can escape it and bear it. That's what it says. Listen to it. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with that temptation almost so make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. What's he talking about? He said when the heavy load, and he's talking about temptation, when the heaviness comes upon you and you're being pulled apart, you're mentally distraught, you're, you're physically wore out with it, you can't sleep, there's worry, there's stress, there's anxiety, there's depression, everything in the world attaches to and you're just being pulled in every direction. He said don't fret it. Because I know where you've been, I've been there, I know your load limit, and I'm not going to allow you to be tempted more than you're able to bear. But will with the temptation make a way for you to escape it or to bear it, one or the other. That's a promise of God, folks. 
So this tells me wherever you're at, though you're falling apart, God's got more confidence in you than what you got in yourself. He sees what you're made of. And not only that, he's making something out of you by allowing you to go to the very place that he's allowing you to be taken. Can I have an amen? He's forming in you something greater than what you can ever imagine. He's got confidence. And you remember when the devil come to try to destroy Job? And the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil said, I can't do nothing with him. You've got a hedge of protection around him. Did you know we are all got that hedge of protection? It's called the seal of the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us are sealed under the day of redemption according to the word of God. We're sealed by the Holy Ghost. But yet the, the Lord says, well, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna allow you to tempt him, but there's one thing you cannot do, you cannot kill him. That's all you can do. You can do anything else, but you can't kill Job. And God let down the hedge for a season to where Satan could come and tempt him. Did you know that Satan cannot even touch me without God's permission? So that means that when I'm being tempted, God has already allowed him to do this for one reason, because God knows I can handle it. Come on. I want to tell you, you were already a victor before you were ever even tested, or God would not allow you to be tested if it was going to overcome you and take you out. God knew your load limit. God knows your possibility. God knows your potential. And God looked down and said, he can handle it. I trust him. And some of us don't understand that God has more faith in ourselves than what we got in ourselves. When we think we're about to crumble, God says, boy, you got a lot left in you yet. I remember my dad used to push me all the time. He was an avid bird hunter, quail hunter back in the day. And when we were younger, there were 40 acre farms everywhere and all of them were divided by a fence row. And in every fence row when I was a little boy, there was usually a covey of birds. And dad had these bird dogs. We'd park the truck, we'd get our guns, and I was all excited. I'd get that gun out and them dogs would work and them birds would kick up and I was the flusher. I like to flush them dudes. Because I thought I'd get the inside shoot shot first. I'd flush them birds and boom, it was the most exciting time of my life until about, we'd get out there right in the early of the morning, about one o'clock I'd say, this excitement stone wore off. Amen? And I would think, uh-oh, where are we at? And I'd look, and the pickup looked like a little bitty dot. We'd walk so much, and I'd think, oh, Lord, now we've got to walk all the way back. And I'd say, well, Dad, don't you think we need to start heading back? Oh, let's go down this one more fence row. That'd go on to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and by the time we got back to the truck, we was walking in dark. He'd wear you out. You know what he was saying, son? You got it in you. You can do more than what you think you can do. You've got the stamina. I got confidence in you. You can make it. You can do this thing. And let me tell you, if the temptation has not been lifted from you, then God has got the thought, the belief in you that you've got the ability to keep on and keep on. And when it gets too tough, he'll relieve you from it. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Sometimes we don't know why things happen to us, but they happen for a reason. But the devil cannot tempt you beyond your ability to endure it. He understands our sorrow. He helps us when we're afflicted, and he helps us feel our infirmity. I like what uh, that First Corinthians ten thirteen also says, but he'll make a way to bear it. This means that 
Satan cannot tempt you in any way that man has not already been tempted. Also, because did you notice what it says? There is no temptation taking you but such as common to man. Say the word common to man. Jesus has already been tempted in the same temptations that you and I will ever face. He came through it victoriously without sin, so that means you and I can too. Amen? So don't let the devil seclude you and convince you no one understands, no one knows what I'm going through. Don't have a self-pity party. Don't potty at your party. How's that sound? I get it. I'm speaking in tongues. You're going to have to interpret it here today. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't believe the lie that you're the only one that's going through this because every temptation is common to man. Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. The Christian life is a fight, no doubt about it. It's a struggle, it's a war. It was Paul himself said, listen to what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 through 10. He says, we are troubled on every side. Say troubled. But yet not distressed. He said, we're perplexed. Say perplexed. But we're not in despair. He said, we're persecuted. Say persecuted. But we're not forsaken. (laughs) I love that. We're cast down. Say cast down. But we're not destroyed. Amen? He said, we're burying the marks in our body that Jesus Christ might be manifested in our mortal flesh. In other words, the only way that Jesus can, we're talking about presence. Here, we're in a theme, presence. We're in the theme, manifestation. And I thought, God, I'd like to stay in the theme. And the Lord said, I want you to preach this. And I didn't even recognize this until right now, is that the way that Jesus is manifested a lot of times it's not through revival and falling out in the spirit and dancing and salvations and all that. Sometimes he's manifested by looking at someone that's going through the fire, going through the suffering, but they bear in their body the marks of Jesus Christ and Christ is manifested through their mortal bodies. It's their testimony. Man, that man is a godly man. Look at all the things that he's endured. Look at everything that he's gone through. Look at what all he's faced and yet he still holds true to his faith. What a testimony for Jesus Christ. That's why that Paul said in 2 Timothy 2 and 3, therefore endure hardness, say hardness, as a good soldier. Why is it that we want to throw those words out of the vocabulary of the Christian life? Hardness. There is some hardness in this thing. It was Paul himself that revealed the war that he faced when he said, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. There's a race to run. There's a war to fight. Jesus said in John 14, 30, listen to what he said. Hereafter, I'm not going to talk to you much. Now, how would you like the Lord to tell you that? Has there been seasons in your life when the Lord hadn't talked to you much? Have you ever noticed some things in scriptures? When God remains silent, usually during temptation, God remains silent. He's not talking much. He's allowing you to go through a testing period. He said, there's coming a time when I'm not going to talk with you much. Now, here he is with his disciples They're ready to die for him. When Peter was with Jesus, he's ready to cut his ear off. But when Jesus is taken taken to go die on the cross, Peter's denying him, cussing and taking an oath and everything else. It's easy to stand with the Lord when the presence is dripping off of you. It's easy to stand with the Lord when you're in the glory of his presence and you're in the house of the assembly and you're with the saints. It was easy for Saul to do what was right when he's in the presence of a David and David played his harp and the anointing went out and soothed his soul. But when David was gone, that spirit that vexed him tormented him. 
But yet Jesus comes, he says, I'm not gonna talk to you very much here in a little bit. He said, the prince of this world cometh however and he has nothing in me. What do you mean by that? Here's what Jesus is saying. There's a, there, here comes the devil and he's gonna point his finger at me but there's no area in my life that he can come up and put his finger on and lay claim over anything that he ever won the slightest amount of victory over in my life. He can't come up and say, you failed here, you failed there. There's nothing he can point his finger at and say, you failed. Jesus never caved in, he never crumbled, he never failed, he never gave up, he never yielded to the temptation. This makes him our heavenly intercessor, it makes him our high priest. It makes him our go-between, it makes him our sucker, the one that's able to come to our aid, the one that's able to come to our rescue. And though the enemy comes in like a flood, yet the Lord will raise up a standard against him. How many knows that? Can I have an amen? Though a thousand fall by your side, 10,000 by your right side, it shall not come nigh thee. God knows how to keep you. Can I have an amen? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I don't know if I should go on. Really, I'm feeling checked to the Holy Spirit right here. I've got some good teaching here. Because the very temptations that you and I are tempted with, Jesus was tempted in those same areas of temptation in Matthew chapter four. There's only three areas there's only one system in the world. It's called love not the world, neither things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is all that's in the world. That's all the devil's got to fight against us. That's his tools. And if you recognize that, you can whip him. These are the three areas that's common to all men. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Hello? If you're gonna be tempted, it's either gonna be lust of flesh, Lust of eyes or pride. That's the only thing you can be tempted of. So when you think you're being tempted in ways that no one else has been tempted and no one understands, that's Hogwarts. It's all common. Everybody's tempted the same way you're tempted. I just can't control my sexuality. You don't know what it's like to be tempted in that area. Every man knows what it's like to be tempted in that area. You don't understand, I'm a kleptomaniac. I've got a spirit on me. I, wanna, I just want to steal it out all the time. We're all tempted to do wrong. It's either lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, or pride of life. Remember, when Eve was in the garden, they were commanded not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's placed in the middle of the garden. They can do anything else but that one tree you can't eat of. She walked by and there's the serpent tempting her and she saw that the tree was good for food. There's the lush of flesh. She saw the tree was good for food. She saw that the tree was beautiful or good to look at. There's the lust of the eyes. And the third one was she saw that the tree was one to, the tree would make one wise. There's the pride of life. And she fell by partaking of the fruit, gave to Adam, he ate, he failed as also. And therefore, the curse came upon the world. Jesus faced those same three identical temptations in the Matthew chapter four that we read to you. The first thing, he's hungered. He's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, or he's starting his fast for 40 days and 40 nights. He's in the wilderness being tempted of the devil. And the devil comes up to him and he knows he's hungered because he's been fasting. He says, if you be the son of God, command these stones to be turned into bread. He could have done it. But Jesus said, hey, it is written. Well, hello? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. There's Jesus' temptation to cave in to what? The lust of flesh. 
The second temptation was, he taketh him, put Jesus in one, an exceedingly high mountain, shows him the kingdoms and all the beauty of them. Says, if you'll just bow down, I'll give you these kingdoms, what the devil said. There's the lust of the eyes, because he's seen all the glory and all of the kingdom and how big it was. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, man shall worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou worship. He was also tempted with the lust of the eyes. And then he puts him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down. For it is written, the angels shall give thee charge unless thou dash the foot against the stone. Here's the devil using scripture back at Jesus because he's overcome temptation by scripture. But Jesus knew the scripture better than the devil did. He said, yeah, but it's also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus was tempted with the pride of life. Hallelujah. So you and I are gonna be faced with these same areas of temptation. You're either dealing with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, or you're dealing with all three of them at the same time. That's the only areas that you can be tempted with. And you gotta analyze it. What am I being tempted with? I want you to stand with me this, tonight or this morning. I got a lot more in here, but I don't have time to preach it. Jesus, when he was tempted in his human nature, you gotta understand he was divine. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him. Without him, there was not anything made. Jesus cannot be tempted as God. But that Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. That Word becoming flesh meant that he became a man and it would be his manhood, his flesh, that would be the place that he could be tempted as the Son of Man. You remember when Mary was pregnant and the angel of the Lord came and said, and the power of the highest overshadowed her and the Holy Ghost came upon her and said, fear not Mary for that holy thing which shall be born in thee shall be called the Son of God. Well, I want to tell you what's happened to you and I. Being born again, don't worry, the power of the highest has overshadowed us and that holy thing which is born in us is also the Son of God. The Holy Ghost has done a work to where he's placed the very same Jesus in our lives that was birthed in Mary. Jesus is in our lives. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit and now that we are born again, we are being tempted with a new nature just like Jesus was tempted in his human nature and if Jesus, our example, overcame it then you and I can overcome the temptation as well. I'm proud of 1 John 1 and 9 that if we'll confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love 1 John 1 and 9. It is provisionary though if we sin, not when we sin. 1 John, or 2 John First John chapter two, verse one, it says, my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who's the perpetuation for our sin, but not only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. He's a forgiver, but it's provisionary. If I sin, then I can confess. I don't have to use first John one and nine every day because I shouldn't be like a roller coaster in and out, in and out, because Jesus has given me the victory in order to overcome the temptation because he's what made a path. He's made a way of escape by me following his footsteps and me living as he lived and I can be victorious because he's been victorious. I cannot do it in my own strength, but I do it by the strength and the power of the redeemed son of God who lives and resides inside of me. I yield my soul self over to the Lordship of Christ. There's a scripture, and I'll close with it. I won't keep you standing. Matter of fact, it's in three different places within scripture, and it'll just, man, look at all them. That's good preaching right there. I just threw stuff together. Psalms 18.33. He maketh my feet like hind's feet. Say hind's feet. 
And then listen to what it says. And he setteth me up on high places. Say high places. Listen to what Habakkuk 3.19 says. The Lord God is my strength. Who is? The Lord God's his strength. He will make my feet like hind's feet. Say hind's feet. And he will make me to walk upon my high places. Say high places. 2 Samuel 22.14. He maketh my feet like hind's feet. Say hind's feet. And he setteth me upon my high places. Say high places. Do you think the Lord's trying to tell us something? Every time that you see Jesus really wanting to get something across, he gets repetitious. Over and over and over in Scripture, sometimes he'll say the same old thing in so many different ways. Judy sometimes tells me when I get home, honey, you said that same thing five different ways. We got it the first time. Well, Jesus was very repetitious. I'm just following the pattern of Jesus. Amen? Five different times in Scriptures it says, this little phrase, the just shall live by faith. Do you think he's trying to tell you something? He maketh my feet like hind's feet. What's hind's feet? Deer have hind's feet. You know what a deer does when it's running? When it's scared? Its front legs go out first and boom, it hits. And it tests the ground. And if the ground is good, the back feet come and land in the exact same tracks as the front feet. Because it's tested ground, it's proven okay. Can I tell you my kinsman, my brother, my elder brother, my Redeemer, <laughs> Jesus Christ, he stepped out in front of me. And in order for me to be able to make it through temptation, all I got to do is get behind him and put my foot where his foot went. I just got to follow his example. I just got to do what he done. I got to follow his pattern. I got to rely upon his strength. He's paved the way from earth to glory. He who was heavenly became earthly so that I earthly could become heavenly. He became like I so that I could become like him. I remember my dad teaching me to squirrel hunt. He'd be going down through the woods. He could slip up on you, man. He, he was amazing. Oh, white-haired man, one-eyed. He'd be out there in the middle of the woods and you'd be watching that woods and all of a sudden, poof, he'd tap you on the shoulder and just about make you jump out of your clothes. He'd sneak right up on you and he'd just laugh. He's sneaky as he could be. He taught me how to squirrel hunt. We'd be going down the woods. Son, stop that. Step where I step. Watch what I do. Old dad, he had sat there for maybe 30 minutes looking at the timber, and then all of a sudden, and I'd go. He'd grab me by the nap of the neck. Do what I do. And finally, I learned when he stepped and it didn't make a noise, I could step in that same place, and there ain't no sticks to crack. And he taught me how to hunt. And he taught me how to be an avid hunter. I want to tell you, my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, is teaching me how to become a man of integrity, a man of holiness. And he's showing me how to overcome temptation by his life and by his example. You can have victory here today with every eye closed and every head bowed. Listen, there's nothing to be ashamed of saying. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm under a heavy tack. Folks, there's times I come to the altar and I go to the elders and say, man, this pastor's under an attack. There's all kinds of different kinds of temptation. It's not always a temptation to drink or a temptation to have sex or a temptation for drugs. There's just a temptation to become lazy. There's a temptation to 
Uh, give in to depression. There's a temptation to quit work. There's a temptation to quit the Lord. There's just all kinds of temptations. And if you're here today and you're saying, man, you're helping me, Pastor. I've been under the gun here, man. I've been being beat up. I've been overwhelmed. I'm in the fire. I'm fighting. I'm struggling. Would you please not be ashamed here today? And would you follow the footsteps of Jesus to an altar and let the brethren and the cistern gather around you and love you and edify you and help you through this dilemma? I don't care if you've been serving the Lord 50 years. There's times we have to do this. Would you just step out right now? Oh, thank you, sis. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. I knew the Lord's talking to people. I knew he was. Don't mean you're sinning. You don't have to look down on yourself. I'm having compassion on you because I've been in, young man, God's got your number. Hallelujah. Jerry, would you get him? Right here's an urgency. He's one of them that is just being beat up. Hallelujah. Bless him, Lord. Is there any others? Well, the enemy's on your back, wearing you out, riding you like a horse in a saddle. He's got spurs and he's making it uncomfortable. He's kicking you in the side. He's kicking you in the teeth, ridiculing you, mocking you, condemning you, making you feel guilty, wearing you out as a believer. I just want you to walk down here and say, Lord, I'm submitting myself to your Lordship here today. I'm not caving into this temptation. I'm yielding my body as a living sacrifice today. I'm doing what this pastor's instructing me to do is to come at the foot of the cross and find mercy and help in my time of need. You've been there. I can touch you with a feeling of my infirmity. You'll war with me. You'll intercede for me. And if you don't lift it, that means he's still got more confidence that you can handle it. In the name of Jesus. Is there any others today? As John sings these songs. Hallelujah. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray right now, Father. I release the anointing of the Holy Ghost on this congregation. I pray that the draw of the Spirit will help people to get out of their uncomfortableness, God, and obey your voice today that they might be redeemed. Lord, you're speaking to somebody. You're wanting to deliver them in their hour of temptation right now. You're wanting to give them the strength and the ability to overcome it, but they got to obey. they got to yield, not to the enemy, but to you. Father, I pray and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.